Hey everybody, welcome back on the Blockworks YouTube macro channel. This is Alf speaking and this is today's release of the Macro Compass weekly article. The article of this week is focused on the ECB uh, meeting, but most importantly on the long war that Putin will be running against Europe. Now, Putin last week released a very important speech, which is, uh, his main sentence was, the economy of imaginary wealth is being inevitably replaced by the economy of real and hard assets. Now, for decades, uh, Europe's business model has been largely structured around cheap energy and input costs used to produce good quality manufactured goods to export around the world. And Germany is a prime example of such a business model, but also other countries around the world, like Korea, for example, relied on this business model successfully for about 20 years. Also, due to globalization, aging demographics, technological advances, interest rates were headed lower and lower over time, and this led to another important development, a massive buildup in public and private sector leverage and the hyper-financialization of the West, including Europe, of course. And Putin's strategy is very clear. He wants to take away the cheap energy inputs from the equation, and he expects a domino of negative consequences to unfold. Economic output will materially suffer. At the same time, energy-driven inflation will go up. And that means that both the real economy and financial markets will get squeezed pretty hard because consumers and corporates will suffer from negative economic growth, negative wage growth, etc. And the highly leveraged imaginary wealth economy, as Putin calls it, will get hit by the ECB being forced to tighten financial conditions because inflation is exceedingly high. Now, the main question I will try to answer is, will this strategy work? And most importantly, how will Europe respond? Because you can't expect European policymakers to do nothing here. How will Europe respond? So let's see first exactly what Putin's strategy is and how it will work. It's mainly consisting of three points. Let's work through them. The first is that once you get your hands on cheap energy cost and input cost, and you can manufacture good quality stuff, you can export it to countries around the world, your economy is looking pretty good. And Germany is the European poster child using this economic model. Other countries around the world are doing that as well. But the key question is, how important is the cheap energy component? Or in other words, how big is Russia's leverage were they to drastically change this parameter, the cheap energy, into the equation? And Zoltan Posar has done some work and calculated that roughly about 2 trillion of German manufacturing output relies on only 27 billion equivalent of Russian energy inputs. 27 billion of inputs against 2 trillion of German manufacturing output. That's quite an embedded leverage, right, into, into this uh, system. And what happens to a highly leveraged system when the cost or the availability of this leverage, in this case Russian energy, drastically changes, obviously the system becomes unstable. And because of the embedded leverage, the negative reactions are not linear anymore, but they're rather convex. And the chart of the momentum in the German account current balance, I think, speaks very loud. Germany has been able to accumulate almost a uh, 300 billion current account surplus every year. Uh, and this current account surplus has become um, has eroded very rapidly over the last few months. And I think that the trend there is pretty clear and there to stay. Now, the strategy we are discussing aggressively damages Russia too, because energy sales to Europe represent a large portion of Russian income. And the second round effect of cutting ties with one of your biggest trading partners obviously are very negative for your domestic economy. Putin, though, is trying to go after another important source of leverage, which is what he calls the economy of imaginary wealth. And that is the second point of his strategy. 
he's talking about the enormous wealth that was generated through the combination of credit creation and low interest rates in Europe, but also in America over the last 20 years. And an example of that is if you extend mortgages at lower and lower borrowing rates, even if salaries aren't going up, people will be able to afford more expensive houses. Think of it like that. The very same 2,000 euro dollar monthly mortgage installment that only buy a house of 350K with a 4% mortgage rate. If you then change the mortgage rate from 4% to 1%, the same 2,000 monthly mortgage installment will now be able to afford you a house of $500,000 or euros. It's roughly 40% more, and you quickly become wealthier, even though your salary or your ability to generate long-term cash flow hasn't really changed. Now, the most common misconception here is that only certain European countries make excessive use of that and have made excessive use of this system. That's actually misleading because this solely focuses on public debt. But if you sum private debt and public debt, all major European jurisdictions easily exceed 200% of GDP. And leading the pack in this chart, you won't find Italy, but you will find countries like France or the Netherlands where private sector debt is very, very high. But in any case, Summing up as well contingent liabilities, those are the liabilities of public corporations that are not considered in the official debt calculation, and Germany has contingent liabilities up to 100% of GDP. If you sum up everything, we're talking about a highly levered European economy across its jurisdictions, and this aggressive credit creation, coupled with lower borrowing costs over time, has generated a large amount of financial asset wealth, financial asset gains which Putin refers to as imaginary wealth. Now, how does he plan to go after this source of leverage? It's very easy. High energy costs generate high inflation. Over time, this forces the ECB to raise borrowing costs, to apply tighter financial conditions. And again, what happens to a highly levered system when the cost of the availability of this leverage, in this case, cheap borrowing rates, drastically change? Now, the system becomes unstable. Of course, you cannot expect European policymakers to sit back and do nothing. And that's why we need to reflect on what will be the responses. And this is the third pillar of this article, what they will do. And, and to answer this question, I think you need to think first of this saga like an emerging market external shock. Emerging market business models all over the world generally rely on external input of some sort, a regular flow of dollars, supply of certain goods, a good amount of trades. Once this input chain is subject to a sharp exogenous shock, like it often happens in emerging markets, the business model breaks and policymakers are faced with pretty challenging decisions short term because they only have suboptimal, suboptimal outcomes ahead of them. This type of pressure as well always find a release valve through either financial assets or through the real economy. So let's see where Europe stands right now in this emerging market-like crisis. The short term options are two. A, you can tighten things up and you can go through some pain. So you do not use government balance sheets to protect the private sector and you convincingly increase real interest rates to protect your currency. So the private sector has to go through some pain and the release valves are indeed a very bad prospect for economic growth and all the highly leveraged sector in the private sector suffer together in Europe with peripheral debt which will be targeted, Italy in this case, for instance, or Greece, will be targeted by uh, speculators and investors. Now, one example of that, one appetizer of what could happen is that European high yield borrowing rates have already doubled 
to 8% from the 4% average that they traded in for seven long years between 2014 and 2021, they have now already doubled as a result of foreseen ECB hiking cycle and widening credit spreads. The second option that policymakers have, and I think that's what they're going for, is try and shield the private sector. So that means of setting the losses using the government balance sheet and somehow try to retain credibility on the inflation fighting front through the central bank. Now, that literally means printing more euros via deficits, via using the government balance sheet, and the release valve generally there tends to be the currency depreciation. In an emerging market like external shock, there are no optimal short-term responses, but the UK and European policymakers announcements over the last few days and the ECB meeting today, I think they clearly signal that policymakers want to go for the second option, which is to try and shield the private sector gain time and somehow retain credibility on the inflation front. Today's announcement from the ECB, the most important part was not the 75 basis point hike, that was relevant, but the most important part was that effectively with the set of decisions taken by the ECB today, they have decided not to shrink European excess liquidity anytime soon. And to discuss that, let's walk back to the fact that in 2020, 2021, European banks borrowed more than 2 trillion euro from the ECB via something called TLTRO, which is a targeted long-term refinancing operation. Basically, the ECB lends money to European banks at very favorable conditions. Interest rates were as low as minus 1% on these loans for the period between June 20 and June 2022. But now we are looking further. We're looking between June 2022 and the maximum maturities of these loans, which is somewhere in 2024. And the ECB today basically gave the incentive to banks not to repay these loans, which means not to shrink the ECB balance sheet, because effectively they made so that the funding costs for the remaining lifetime of this TLTRO, these loans from the ECB to banks, are still very favorable. And over the lifetime, European banks will pay you know, roughly 25 to 50 basis points to borrow this money from the ECB. But because the ECB is increasing rates, on the asset side, this money they borrow can be parked back at the central bank and they will be gaining as the ECB raising rates, they will be making more than 100 basis points on the asset side. So can you see the, the free carry, the free arbitrage that European banks have been offered today? With such an incentive scheme, it's very likely that European banks will not be repaying the loans. There has been no mention of quantitative tightening discussions at all, which means that the ECB balance sheet won't shrink anytime soon. And that also means that euro excess liquidity will not be coming down anytime soon. And as a reminder, European excess liquidity is almost 5 trillion euro. It's extremely high. And this has to be seen in the context of European governments that have announced outright measures to help the private sector during the energy crisis, which in other words means that the public sector will be absorbing losses through its balance sheet. There will be deficits. There will be more printing of euros. So what does it mean for European assets and for Putin's strategy? more real economy euros being created. Those are deficits from the government. And at the same time, more financial economy kind of euros being created. Those are bank reserves. They can be net positive for the private sector in the short term because normally as the private sector gets shielded, there could be less defaults and a smaller decline in earnings. But don't forget the release valve. And the release valve will be the euro in this case because more euros are getting created. And the European policymakers' response complicates Putin's agenda short term. It buys Europe some time to find medium-term solutions with the energy crisis, shielding the private sector, 
while the Russian economy continues to face challenging conditions. But in any case, Europe has suffered a structural hit, in my opinion. Long-term investors will be most likely doubting the future viability of the good old German-European business model because conditions are changing and cheap energy doesn't exist anymore, and the euro will be serving as a pressure release valve for some time because that's the route that European policymakers have decided to take. I therefore am bearish on the euro versus the dollar, tactically and structurally speaking, I'm pretty cautious on European assets. Guys, this was the download of today's article of the Macro Compass. It's my free newsletter. There is no charge. Themacrocompass.substack.com. If you want to read the article, there's much more in there than what I just put up on YouTube. Um, feel free to go and join the crew. We are 91,000 people right now reading it. Uh, I, I thank you very much for your support over time. And in general, if you want me at conferences, media appearances, partnership sponsorships, you can always send an email as well to themacrocompass at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next week.